0: tuning in to Talking Bay 94, the Star Wars podcast devoted to interviews with the cast, crew, and creators of a galaxy far, far away. I'm your host, Brandon Winerti, and this is another live interview we recorded at Star Wars Celebration Chicago. This is our conversation with Mr. Julian Glover, an incredible actor who you might know as General Viers from the original trilogy, Walter Donovan from Last Crusade, Grand Maester Pycelle from Game of Thrones, the list goes on and on. This is Talking Bay 94, episode 36, Julian Glover. Today we are joined by Mr. Julian Glover, General Veers himself. Thank you so, so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you for asking me. Here I am. <laughs> uh, I am just kind of starstruck. I don't I don't get Star Trek very often, but General Veer, as I was saying, is one of my favorite characters of Star Wars, and so... Oh, is he?
1: Oh, good. Um, one of those Imperials.
0: One of those Imperials yes. that, that gets me going.
1: And he's good on Hoth.
0: Right. Well, before we even dive into Empire, I would love to talk about what inspired you and what made you first get into acting. What was that first impetus? Well,
1: um, it's quite a long answer, I'm afraid. Uh, I had no idea I was going to be an actor, and I was about 15, and I was at a school in London which was founded by one of Shakespeare's great actors, a man called Edward Allen. And he found it for a school for poor boys. And uh, then it grew and grew and grew, of course, since, since the 16th century. Uh, and I went to that school rather late in life. I was about 13, which I enjoyed the school very much. And suddenly the young English master decided to revive the idea of doing Shakespeare there, uh, which they hadn't done for a long time. And they did Julius Caesar, uh, in the open air uh, in modern dress and because I was good at something called reading out loud to my little brother as it was at the time I got the Park of Mark, Ant- Mark Antony which was just a wonderful part to start off with but I didn't do it, the next time I did what's called a Gilbert and Sullivan Opera which you might, well I know that they are, it is played in America um, but it's a very very English end of the last, end of the uh, 19th century sort of Offering. Anyway, I played the comedy lead in that, <clears throat> and that did it for me. That uh, I knew what it was to hold an audience in the palm of my hand, probably for the last time in my life, yeah. but I knew it then. And I went home and said, this is what I want to do. And instead of my parents being appalled, as most parents were when actors, when their kids wanted to be actors in those days, not like now, um, they were delighted that they had a 15 year old who knew what he wanted to do. And so that's what kicked me off into the theatre. The young man who was the master went on to found a very, very fine organisation in England called the National Youth Theatre, which brings young people, just gives them the experience of of acting and being in theatre. And it's a very strong organisation now. And so that was due to him entirely that I'm an actor he's passed on, sadly. Then I, I went around and I did this and other little tiny things. And I auditioned for Stratford-on-Avon, the Shakespeare there, and got in and became a walk-on actor there. Played there for three years, worked up to quite good small parts, then left and went off into the world. So that's the short answer to your question.
0: I love it. Well, uh, what's the short answer to, how did you get involved with Empire Strikes Back? Oh, well,
1: that is pure nepotism. Uh Um, uh, My next door neighbor was a man called Robert Watts, who right. some of your <laughs> listeners may know, is, uh, was executive producer on Star Wars right. and uh, he poked his head over the fence one day and said, uh, I was doing The Lawn I think, he said, we're going to make a second Star Wars film, do you want to be in it? I said, oh, right. yeah, thanks very much, Yeah. Said, it's quite a small part but I think you'll enjoy it. Right. Yes, 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 so I didn't have to read for it or anything, I just went in <laughs> and had five days on it and did it, and that was the end of that. Didn't think much of it until it came out. And I saw the film and I thought, this is a cracker. This is a cracker. And then I saw the third one. When we first saw the first Star Wars, you know, you young people have no idea what the impact was then. Mm -hmm. Um, We'd never seen anything like that. We see a lot of things like that now. Not so good, but we see a lot of airplanes whizzing around in space, you know, other empires and all that stuff. None of that when I was, a, when we were young actors, and we were knocked out, and the, the idea of there being two more coming up, and I was in one of them, and then another one, uh, was very exciting for us, and indeed we were right to be excited. Right. We were paid very little money, but I've made it all up since since then by coming to lovely occasions like this uh, convention here.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Well, uh, I guess on the set, working, you've worked with Irvin Kirshner, you've worked with Steven Spielberg. What was it like working with Kirsch on, on the set? Well, what was Kirsch, it like as a director? No, he,
1: he was one of nature's gentlemen, you know. Uh, all he cared about was getting the film right. Um, he was very, very courteous indeed, and uh, very respectful of actors, because he loved them. He went to the theater a lot. He followed me after the film into several plays mm-hmm. in the West End of London, uh, which I was very touched about and very pleased, very gratified. Uh, he was a very gentle, and uh, Spielberg, I mean, well, you're in heaven, aren't you? And you you work with Harrison Ford and Sean Connery and Steven Spielberg, well, you might as well give up after that. I mean, it's 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 a full wallop, isn't it? Uh, So I love Steven, and and there are many things about Steven. He has wonderful ideas, Um, but he adores actors. And the only thing he can't do on the set, he can do everything else. Is acting, mm-hmm. and unlike other directors who don't like who can't act themselves, don't like actors and think we get in the way, he absolutely adores actors and encourages them to uh, to, to to make things up on the set. Uh, he will either approve them or not approve them, but he loves it when actors work in front of his very eyes. And he operates the camera himself. And uh, oh, I just love him. Love him.
0: Well, I guess let's move into Last Crusade. Um, that's. Yeah.
1: Well, I got that as a result of the Star Wars, of course. I was about to ask. Same, same management. Uh-huh. Uh, I first of all auditioned for the sergeant, the German uh-huh. Nazi sergeant in it, and I didn't get it. And, uh, okay, well, I phoned my agent, told, me, told him I hadn't got it. But in fact, the actor who played it uh, was much better for it than right. me, so I was very pleased for him. I really was, generally. Right. And then, a couple of days later, they asked me to play Walter Donovan. Well you know, they had to wipe me off the floor then. Right. And it's so much better part than the other ones. Right. <laughs> a really good, really good, really good leading part villain. Uh-huh. Uh, except I maintain he was not a villain. Uh-huh. He was someone who saw an ideal in front of him of, of eternal life. And what would you do for the secret of eternal life? You'd kill your mother, wouldn't you? So would I. <laughs> and uh, much as I loved her, <laughs> she gave me life. She can, <laughs> <laughs> she can give you eternal life <laughs>
0: Well, we talked to Paul Freeman, who played Belloc in Raiders, and he mentioned that they didn't even ask if he could do a French accent before they gave him the part. Was that similar? Did they ask, like, could you do an American accent, or did they just kind of let you...
1: They assumed that I could, Uh uh, or that I would, Uh that I would learn to do it. When I actually read for for, uh, Donovan, I got the part, but um, uh, had to go and read it. I did a thing called an American accent which was very, very generalized. and uh, But that was good enough for that. Sure. And then, of course, I got someone in to teach me to do it, do it properly. And there was a nice moment in the middle of the film um, when after the, quite a long, heavy day, uh, Stephen came up to me and said, Julian, you know, he said, your accent is absolutely superb. He said, after this, you'll never stop making American movies. I've never made one since. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, not, I'm even now preparing to do an American play, mm-hmm. when I'm playing a Tennessee Williams play. I'm playing someone from Nantucket,
0: uh-huh.
1: and Nantucket is a very particular accent. Uh-huh. It's, it's not like you, or uh, it's very different. Right. So I'm having to learn that now. Uh-huh. And uh, I played a Greek businessman in For Your Eyes Only, which I'm told I got away with the accent on that one. Right, I would see yes, so so it. So off, it often happens.
0: And, well, you mentioned Bond. and you've talked about Star Wars, you've talked about Indiana Jones. You've been in all these incredible franchises. You were in Harry Potter as Aragog. Uh, I read that you were close to being Dumbledore in in Harry Potter. I, I
1: terribly wanted to play it, uh-huh. and I was a serious consideration. Uh-huh. But I can't go any further than that. It's closer than I was. So I would Dumbledore. I would love to. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get it either, did you? No. No, I was oh, shocked. still waiting on so the... It's, it's your accent. Right.
0: I couldn't do it. <laughs>
1: because I, I, I can do a very good Richard Harris accent uh-huh. and that's why I, I thought I would stand quite a chance right. I'd love to have done that right. it's, it's crazy stuff there long.
0: might be a Dumbledore cousin in Fantastic Beasts <laughs> <laughs> that you can do right <laughs> you can, it'll be it'll happen
1: find a Walter Donovan character relation that'll be better that's,
0: oh I'd love that right <laughs> Indy in uh, would be five now right <laughs> his grandfather or something <laughs> kind of just
1: yeah I'll play anything
0: <laughs> well one final note because I don't want to with yeah. you, Game of Thrones, we're recording this on Friday, it premieres Sunday, the final season and I've been re-watching and, and you are such an integral part of the show. What was it like first being introduced to another kind of fantasy world? Game of Thrones? Yes.
1: I went into it like I suppose every other actor into it. It's an acting part. Right. Um, it's in a really interesting setting. Right. Uh, I had no idea whether it was going to be any good. Nobody did. Right. It was a tremendous experiment. They'd made a, the, the, the the pilot and thought that... Made two pilots, I think. Uh, and they thought it was going to work. Well, we didn't know. We just went in and we we played parts in costumes. you know, right. And um, did as best we could. And it wasn't finally until... Well, I did realize that the settings and the sceneries and, and were absolutely brilliant. And they were taking a hell of a lot of time to shoot everything. Real good. Real trouble they took over uh-huh. it. Wonderful, 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 ideal filming conditions. Um, I realised all that, but I didn't know what was going to happen with the whole thing. And then we went. My wife and I went to the the crew showing of the of the first episode. And they showed two episodes, and it started off. We our viewers will remember probably that great big white wall. That's all it was a great big white ice wall, and um, this little hole at the bottom of it out of which people and horses started to come, and it was so wonderfully effective. (laughs) Uh, My wife and I just looked at each other and went, wow! We knew from that very first shot that it was going to be magnificent, and it's gone on being more and more and more magnificent, a completely unique piece of television, Uh, completely – they can't repeat it, you know Uh, – they're talking about doing a a series of two thousand years before. Right. I've heard that. You've heard that. Yes, yeah. it's been awesome. uh, yeah, but, but before, so yeah. none of us can be in it. Right. Um, uh, well, that that would work. That would be okay as long as they have got the writer. Right. He's a bloody good writer. Yes, and you know he won't last forever. And um, if they get a good writer, that'll do well. But there's no way of copying this Game of Thrones. You put it into do, do another series, of old-fashioned stuff, and right. and. and People struggling for kinghood. No, no, no. Shakespeare did it first, and now it's been done again. I
0: love it. <laughs> well, before before we go, Benioff and Weiss is now coming to Star Wars. Right, they're going to be doing a Star Wars trilogy. Yeah. And now we might be able to get Julian Glover back
1: in Star Wars. That's, that is my
0: one hope. They can do whatever they want, but as long as they can get Julian Glover back in Star Wars, I will watch it.
1: Well, if you have any influence, uh, please use it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Glover, thank you thank so you. so much. This has been such a great a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you again to Mr. Glover for the conversation and for telling such incredible stories from some of his most iconic roles. And, as always, I want to thank Derek Mackey and Cool Waters Productions for not only helping to set this interview up, but also being such a supporter of the show from the very beginning. From the Corey D. Williams episode, It Means the World. I'm putting a link in the show notes to the Cool Waters website, where you can check the next time Mr. Glover or any of Cool Waters' incredible clients are coming to a con near you. Next week, we interview one of the original Star Wars legends, Academy Award-winning editor Mr. Paul Hirsch. So, stay tuned, leave a five-star review, and may the Force be with you.